what's up y'all it's zach with living corporate now look every now and then we try to mix it up for y'all because you know so look dependency and consistency is really important but even within those lanes of consistency you got to have a little bit of variety you know what i mean you don't come home and just eat the same thing every day or even if you do you know you got a meal prep thing maybe sometimes you put a little red sauce maybe sometimes you put a little green sauce you know you gotta just you know mix it up from time to time maybe sometimes you grill it maybe sometimes you saute maybe sometimes you rotisserie you gotta just am i hungry yes i'm hungry y'all my bad listen check it out we have another entry (laughs) for y'all from our see it to be it series amy c weininger ceo of lead at any level as well as the author of network beyond bias She's actually been a member of the team for a while now. So shout out to you, Amy. Yes. Thank you very much for all of your work here. Um, And part of her work has been in driving the series called See It to Be It. And the purpose of the series is to actually highlight black and brown professionals in these very prestigious roles, like within uh, industries that maybe we and when I say we, I mean, black and brown folks. I see y'all that we may not always even know exist or envision ourselves in. Hence the name of the series. Right. So check this out. We're going to go ahead and transition from here. The next thing you're going to hear is an interview with Amy C. Weininger and a super dope professional. I know y'all going to love it. Catch y'all next time. Peace. Hello, Luanda. How are you today? I'm amazing. How are you? You are amazing. I am so glad to have met you recently at a um, at an insurance conference focused on diversity and inclusion is how we met. Um, yes. And I don't think there are a whole lot of those in the world and we need to make sure that there are more of them coming up. So, um, but I'm so glad to have you today. And I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about what it is that you do, first of all, and then how you landed in that spot. So what I do today is risk management in a very different way than I started doing risk management. I manage the risk of people living unfulfilled lives and sitting in unfulfilled careers. And so I am a life and career coach full time and a motivational speaker. My career started as a risk management and insurance practitioner. And I spent 20 years doing that for global brands and had an amazing career in the space of um, global corporate brands. Um, How I arrived in that place. So (laughs) I loved math in school, love, love, love math. And my mother was an accountant. And so her estimation of my career opportunities um, would be in line with hers. I would be an accountant. And so she really groomed me to do business and focus on accounting and math and those kind of things. Well, in eighth grade, I took an accounting class and thought, okay, this is just adding and subtracting. This is not really, you know, interesting enough or layered enough for what I expected. Um, and so I, it was in the back of my mind, but I didn't want to, it wasn't, it wasn't the top priority. So anyway, then um, fast forward a couple of years later, I was taking an um, AP math course, which is a college level math course in high school. And we did a project on projections. And at the time, it was called decision science. And so you take a bunch of data sets and then you learn um, the trends and figure out how to project the future. And so I thought, oh, this is really cool because though I'm very analytical, I'm also very creative. And so I thought, okay, I can take the math and take the numbers and tell the future. Like, sign me up that. So I asked my teacher, like, who, what career 
you know, would I sign up for to do this? Because I didn't know, I didn't understand, you know, what the possibilities were in that space. And um, Gregory Wright, my math teacher, one of my favorite teachers, told me actuaries are the people that do this work. And I thought, okay, well, great. He went further and did research and gave me some information about Georgia State University, which is one of the top three programs in the country. And I was familiar with Georgia State already because my mother attended Georgia State University and I had attended some summer classes there for gifted students. And so I was very familiar with Georgia State and it just made sense to me that, okay, I would go to Georgia State and be an actuary. And so that was my initial major. And then I did like an intern for a day with some actuaries. And while I love the work, I didn't think my personality would fit into the work environment. And so I went to my counselor and said, hey, love the work, think it's interesting, great, wonderful. However, it's important that I don't have to sit in a space where my whole being is not welcomed and invited. And so I asked for alternatives. Um, again, curiosity, what are my menu of options? And so she said to me that risk management, risk management was in the same field and I would work with more people and I would be the um, actuaries would actually be hired by risk managers. And if I understood a baseline of what actuaries do, then I could be a very thoughtful risk manager and engage with them in a meaningful manner. And so I thought, cool. And also all my credits transferred. <laughs> so all the classes that I had taken already would transfer into risk management. So I thought, great, this is a win-win. And so I pivoted and changed my major to risk management. And it has been um, an amazing career. That's awesome. So I wanted to ask just a couple of follow-up questions on that. Um, sure. So I, I heard... I sat with the actuaries and I thought, oh, this isn't for me, right? There are parts of me that wouldn't fit in this world. Can you tell yes. me a little bit more about that? So I was a room full of old white men and I have nothing against old white men. There are quite a few in my life that I love dearly and appreciate. Um, however, they didn't, they weren't warm and fuzzy. They weren't welcoming. They, um, I have a lot of personality, if you can't tell. <laughs> I have, you know, a lot of personality. Like I said, I have a lot of creative energy. And I just did not feel that who I was would fit into that environment. Now, let me say this. If that was in, in 96, like, you know, so many years ago, right? Um, that is not the truth today. Because... Today, business has evolved to not only understand the importance of the numbers, but also be curious about how we're arriving at numbers. And so now actuaries are in a place where they're consultants, they're, they're not in the back closet just pumping out numbers anymore. They're in the front and they're, at, and they're being asked many questions and asked to explain how they got to the answer and what, you know, what were the assumptions that were made. And they're being challenged even on you know, how their numbers evolve and, and these kind of things. And so today, actuaries are charged to do more than crunch out numbers. And so if I was in school today, honestly, I think actuary would be perfect for me because I would be able to explain the numbers and be able to go through the process and problem solve and, and give people a clear understanding about, you know, what has occurred. 
So that was not the case in 96. In 96, it was, you know, people sitting in back rooms, crunching out numbers and asking no questions because they didn't have the language to ask. They didn't have the interest or understanding that they should ask. And so actuaries were deemed like mathematical gods. And you just do what they say. And you, they pump out the numbers and you go for it and you don't really ask a whole lot of questions. Um, and so in that environment, it was literally just, you know, old, older white men, middle-aged white men sitting in um, a very, well, it felt like a very sterile environment pumping out numbers um, without the need for a whole lot of engagement with other human beings. It was the computer and their numbers. Mm-hmm. And so I talked recently with Rosie Zelenskis. I don't know if you know her. Um, but she is, yeah. she's an underwriter and she followed very similar path to yours where she wanted to be an actuary because she loved math and right. wanted to, to dig into the math and then learned that, oh, I, I can't talk if I'm in this room, right? <laughs> like there's not enough, there's not enough space for me to actually have a conversation with a human being. And so she went into underwriting and I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about the difference between the role of the risk manager and the role of the underwriter, because I think those are things that outside the insurance industry are not very, you know, there's, there's kind of a blurry line there. Um, right. So risk management is a discipline is an insurance is a tool used within that discipline. So though we're talking about the insurance industry, understand that risk management um, gets kind of thrown into that world but risk management is a discipline unto itself. Insurance is a tool used by risk managers. And so ultimately risk managers and, and similar professionals are the corporate consumer of insurance um, and the corporate manager of all risk, upside risk and down risk. And so you focus on processes and the people the product, the brand, you know, all these things that could potentially be compromised in a way that brings adversity to the company or to the brand in some way. And then you mitigate that risk. Um, and you do that through several different um, tools. Insurance is one of those tools um, that you can use. And so as, um, so as it relates to the insurance industry, the risk manager is the corporate consumer. And so they make the decisions around buying insurance, what insurance to buy, um, and make sure that they package the risk and exposures to the insurance industry in a way um, that is correct and equitable so that the pricing can be fair and, um, and it can make financial sense for all the stakeholders involved. So that's what the responsibility for risk manager is. The underwriter works with the insurance companies and their responsibility is to look at the exposure presented to them by the risk managers um, through the broker and price it in a way that makes sense for um, based on everything that's being done, mitigation efforts, you know, processes and procedures um, and the trends in the industry because insurance is a pooling tool and so what what is everybody else doing that's similarly situated to you and so they do the analysis to say okay here's your risk here's your exposure how does this measure in the grand scheme of all the other risk and exposure that's similar and then they price it um and so that's what the underwriter does and they price it 
for two reasons. One, to be fair, um, but then also to be profitable for the company that they work for. Okay. Thank you for making that distinction. I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I think within the insurance industry, I've talked to a lot of people within the insurance industry for this series, because that's where my network is primarily. Right. Um, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in the underwriting space and, and that sort of thing, but I think you're the first risk manager, which is kind of on the buying side of insurance um, mm -hmm. that I've had in this series. But you mentioned that insurance is one tool. And I would imagine that as a risk manager, you have to be incredibly strategic as well as analytical and creative because you're looking not just at um, environmental risks or property exposures and that sort of thing in terms of your business you're looking at things like reputational risk do we have the right people on staff um, do we have the right marketing campaigns are we developing the right products is that pretty close to correct yes you're, you're looking at the whole picture of the organization and in you know you're doing like you know a 360 analysis of risk for the entire company and insurance is just one tool um, and there's so many other opportunities um, to engage to mitigate risk um, because I mean we're in the business because stuff happens so stuff is going to happen it's just a matter of managing that and mitigating as mitigating the downside risk and maximizing the upside risk um, so yes, you have to be analytical, you have to be creative and strategic, and you have to have really good partners and alliances to make that happen because you're sitting in the company looking from your perspective, but you, you have to kind of, you know, have eyes outside and in different angles. So you work with other departments, the legal department, engineers, you know, um, the creatives in the company that are doing product development and research and things of that nature, and just have an ear and an eye on everything um, to make sure that people are operating in an environment where they're considering the risk. Okay, thank you so much for that. And I wanted to I want to share with the with our listeners one of the things that um, if I can say this without I don't mean to um, offend you um, in any way, uh, and I hope I don't scare you. But one of the things that you said that just absolutely made me fall in love with you is that we, when at this conference you were talking about um, the, the corporate box and how difficult it can be for someone. And like you said, you have a lot of personality, right? Mm -hmm. You have so much to offer. And you said it was you got tired of fitting yourself into that corporate box. And so now after 20 years, you've gone out to do, uh, to work for yourself and to help other people. And I was wondering if you could explain just a little bit about what you meant about fitting in the corporate box and what it, what it feels like now that you're out of that and you've been able to expand. Oh, wow. Oh, that could take a whole hour. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Um, so the corporate box, as I define it, is a place designed for being and acting and showing up in the way that corporate expects you to do. Um, and that depends on the corporation that you work for, and I work for quite a few. And so most companies, particularly large companies, because they are so large, 
they're very much about checking the box okay we put you here to do this and this is what we need you to do and and not really um avail themselves to being open um also if you happen to notice i am a black woman and so walking in a room does not give me instant credibility i don't have that privilege of getting instant credibility particularly in the risk management insurance space which is traditionally pale and male so I always felt like I had to, I was starting at a deficit of explanation and starting at a deficit of um, credibility just because of the way I look <laughs> and the DNA that I was, I was um, privileged to <laughs> be blessed with. So that was a very difficult challenge because I often felt like I had to fight just to do my job. I'm like, you hired me to do this. And then you're not going to let me do it because you don't have the perspective or understanding that I'm more than capable of doing that. I went to a top three school. I've worked for some amazing companies. And yet I was met with um, questions. Um, and so that was very interesting. And I then have to remind myself that the box was never built with me in mind. It was not built... Um, with me and mine at all. And so when I speak up and speak out and ask questions and hold people accountable, um, that level of authority required for a risk management professional did not translate well with people who worked with me and who were receiving those instructions or receiving that direction or receiving um, on the other end of that authority. <laughs> It didn't translate very well. And so that's unfortunate um, because ultimately I would like to think and hope that we all had the same goals in mind to make sure that we're protecting the company and protecting outcomes and making sure that all the people are safe and that, you know, the products are operating as they should and that are, as they are intended to and not, you know, causing any problems for any consumers and things of that nature. So um, the lack of focus on the main ultimate job and allowing corporate environment, allowing the fact that I'm a black woman to impede accomplishing, I think, was my challenge because I'm a type A personality. I'm very passionate about what I do and I want to get the job done in an operation or in a place of excellence, in a spirit of excellence. And I felt like um, perceptions of others got in the way of doing that all the you know effectively um and and each and every time and so that's what i meant by the box um the corporate box you know sitting in a place that i just feel like you know wasn't designed for me so it's like wearing clothes that are too little for you or wearing shoes that don't quite fit you know what i mean it's like you could you could you could make it work but it's, it's uncomfortable um on an ongoing basis and so what it feels like now is amazing. <laughs> um, the freedom is amazing um, in every way because the, the brand that I represent is my own. And I've always been very clear, no matter what company I work for, that my most important brand is my name. Because if a company, regardless of what their brand is, asks me to do something outside the purview of my integrity, um, I have no problem saying, no, I'm not doing that. I don't care you know, what your global brand is. My integrity is intact and my number one brand 
um, alliance and allegiance is to my name. And my grandfather taught me that and he's very clear about that. You always protect your name. Um, and so I've, I've done that. I haven't always been very popular for doing that, <laughs> but I have, um, I have done that. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of in my career. Um, that, you know, I don't feel obligated to lean to, um, corporate politics at the expense of my integrity or at the expense of my own personal brand. And that's what I teach my clients. And so on this side, I represent my brand. I can speak very candidly and fluidly about the experiences that um, I've had in corporate and hope that corporate hears me from this side in a clearer manner and a more open manner so that they can solve and solve some of the challenges, particularly in the insurance and risk management discipline. So they can solve some of the challenges as it relates to diversity and inclusion in a very real way um, and hold themselves accountable and hold the processes accountable for working the way they say they should work. And so putting a policy in place and inviting um, diversity and inclusion for the sake of brand management is one thing, but actually doing the work and training people to show up in that space in an open way to say that I'm going to be a prudent individual and a prudent practitioner. And it doesn't matter how the person sitting across the table from me looks, loves, prays, or pees. Like, because that doesn't matter. You know, how I look, love, pray, or pee does not have anything to do with my ability to manage risk effectively and to show up in a discipline, um, in a space of excellence. So there's absolutely room to grow and I hope to um, be a catalyst for the industry and be a candid voice for the industry to help them in that endeavor to, you know, not just give lip service to diversity and inclusion and equity, but to actually do the work and hold the middle managers accountable for showing up in a real way to affect change in a efficient and sustainable way. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. And I, I, I have used not nearly as eloquent language as you just did um, to explain my departure from the, from my corporate job as well. There were changes that I saw that needed to be made and the role that I was in was too small to make those changes mm-hmm. and to affect those changes. And I was only seen a certain way because of the role that I held and I knew that okay. I had I had more to contribute, but I couldn't do that from inside. I had to go out to come back in. Right. And so I really appreciate your perspective on that. I think it's so valuable and so important. And so I want to give you a chance to to speak to who is your target client right now as a coach and what is it that you can help people do in their careers or for themselves um, to manage the risk that comes with having a career? Right. So the sweet spot are young professionals because I think a lot of young professionals show up with a lack of understanding for corporate languaging and being able to navigate that space. I specialize in transition. So the transitions can range from college to career readiness all the way through retirement because all those transitions matter. Um, And I'm really good at helping people navigate transitions when you're um, particularly super vulnerable during transitions and you, you may need someone to kind of give you some perspective and help you understand your menu of options and explore possibilities in that way. And so um, anybody navigating, you know, career transitions 
um, would be an ideal client. Um, but I will say that my sweet spot will be young professionals. They tend to gravitate um, to me because I'm super candid. And I think I do a good job of giving them the tools that they need to show up whole and show up confidently. Um, because confidence is, you know, it's a compliment and a catalyst to anything, um, to any human. So um, I work with all people to give them an understanding of being super confident when they walk in the door and in an authentic way. And so not walking in like arrogant, like you know everything at 22 because clearly you don't. But being confident in what you do know and in what you do bring to the table and being able to um, package that in a meaningful way um, and in a way that adds value to the experience of the organization. Um, and so that's that's my sweet spot. And in addition to organ, in addition to individuals, I also work with organizations and universities. So I do workshops um, for students quite a bit, um, and most of that is college to career readiness and helping them explore different kinds of careers. Um, non-traditional career paths that they may not have known of or that may be evolving and emerging as technology evolves and emerges um, in general. Um, so I work with schools um, in that endeavor and then I work inside corporations to help them make sure that their teams are working effectively and working, you know, competencies is one thing, but if you don't work well together, based on how people source their energy and how they show up in the space, then that can, you know, cause some deficiencies in the workplace. And so um, I'm certified predictive index practitioner. And that's an assessment tool that I use to help people understand how to work well together in teams and optimize um, teams within organizations. And so those would be my main clients. So any professional any professional individual, um, any organization and universities. Excellent. Thank you. And where can people find you? They can find me on my website at intelligentintentions.com. And that's in intelligentintentions with an S.com. Okay. Um, also, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn, Lawanda L. Michelle Hall. Um, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have over 14,000 connections. More half of them are in the insurance industry, um, and the other half are mixed of lawyers and entertainment because I have quite a few entertainment clients, which is fun. That's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's very colorful. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's the whole creative side of me where I get to you know hang out and and help them navigate you know because if they go from one job to the next in a different role, I mean sometimes that takes some. Um, effort, <laughs> a lot more effort, um, and they need some assistance with that transition. So um, it gets it gets really colorful and fun. Um, but anyway, so I'm I'm active on LinkedIn, so that's a really good way to connect with me and my website. That's fantastic, L. Thank you so much. I am so glad to have gotten a chance to talk with you and to Thanks learn. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Not just learn about your past and where you've been, but all of the amazing things that you're doing now. And I am so happy to know that you have gotten to expand into yourself in this new role and in your in your business and in your career so that other people can 
can see themselves in you and can find you uh, to help move forward. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.